Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are going to be talking to Dr. Colander about his unique personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Colander will explain to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease and the course we ought to take to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack and stroke, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome to our weekly edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us, explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. That's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. Dr. Colander, you always have very interesting stories about your practice of prevention. What do you have in mind to tell the listeners this week? What's new? Well, Emery, we always talk about, you know, people who are at risk and don't know it. So people who are at risk of dying from the widowmaker or having a stroke or who may develop dementia as they get older and not using the tools that are available to prevent what is avoidable. Uh, but we don't have a chance to talk about people who don't need treatment who in another practice might be put on medications to treat risks, or I'll say current standard risk profiles that I no longer use, but in a traditional practice, that person would be on multiple medicines. And in mine, they're on none. I mean, there's a problem in this country with over-medication. And I think that it's very common. I mean, you see all these people that are out there with bags of medicines. Half the time, they don't know what they're taking them for, and they never get off them. And I guess the question is, are they necessary? Well, when it comes to cardiovascular risk, we always talk about disease identification is the key. And so, you know, what do we do to identify disease? We either do a CT calcium score, um, or in my practice, our first choice is to do a carotid intimate media thickness test, which looks at the wall. This is a simple ultrasound that we do. We talk about it literally every show. It's an ultrasound that measures the thickening of the walls of the artery where plaque buildup occurs. And that provides data which guides our therapy. So we want to identify disease, and then you know what you're treating. Well, the most important thing that I'm hearing you say is that people need to get tested properly, and probably most people are not being properly tested. Well, no, because no one's doing this test. Uh, right. Very, very few doctors in Michigan, the Midwest, um, some other areas in the country may have more, but you don't hear about them. Uh, but the real thing is identifying disease. So we also talk about often that I don't care about lipids anymore because they don't tell me what to do. 
we don't want to make decisions about treatment just about cholesterol. So our healthcare system uses a formula heavily weighted on LDL, cholesterol, to make decisions about whether or not someone should be on a statin. And in my practice, the decision whether or not to be on a statin is based entirely on whether or not you have plaque. Because if you don't have plaque, why treat cholesterol if the goal of treating cholesterol is to avoid a heart attack? So what's the answer? What are people supposed to do that are being medicated unnecessarily? Well, everyone needs to know whether they have the disease that you're treating. Mm -hmm. And last week, we talked about aspirin in great detail. And this is another example uh, or an opportunity to talk about identifying disease and applying an appropriate treatment. So I want to talk more about this patient who I've known for a long time. He's been in my practice for... You know, we're about the same age. He's been in the practice probably for 15 years. And he transitioned into the concierge model with me, and he stayed with me as we evolve and now focus mostly on prevention. Um, at least I'd say that's the basis of what we do every day. So he's someone I've always been worried about because in a traditional sense, he's got a lot of risk factors. His cholesterol is a disaster. And even today, when I'm looking at him and I know that he doesn't have plaque and he doesn't have, and he has a zero calcium score, which means, you know, he's pretty free and clear from a cardiovascular point of view, I look at his cholesterol and, you know, triglycerides are a mess. His LDL, which is the quote-unquote bad cholesterol, is very high, almost 200. His good cholesterol is very low you know, basically all red. You know, I have a color-coded, you know, uh, labels on all our numbers and the values, and he's just red straight through. He's got high blood pressure. He's got insulin resistance based on this panel. Um, my interpretation of how, how I like to look at the panel, I tell him he's severe insulin resistant. And again, no plaque. So it's important to identify disease and not treat these other issues. So he has no plaque, so does that mean that he, he's incapable of having a heart attack? Well, I'm not, it doesn't mean that down the road he might develop plaque, but... But right he, now that's not something that's on his uh He doesn't have it at all, picture, right, right. Mm -hmm. right. So right now it's about maintaining it, and, you know, there's another important concept that we have to talk about is what are we missing? Um, you know, so... He's got a lot of drivers of heart disease, high blood pressure, you know, high lipid particle number, and um, severe insulin resistance. And all of those lead to chronic illness such as diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and dementia. So does he have a possibility of turning all this backwards? Of course. So it's never too late. Let's continue to talk about this on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. 
Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. And before we come back to the story of the patient that Dr. Colander is talking about and the reversal of his physical problems, I'm encouraging you all, if you want to talk to the doctor directly, to call uh, call in on the Thursday night show, 7 p.m. after Mitch Album. Every Thursday, the doctor's on. The lines are live. Please don't hesitate to call in if you have a direct question for the doctor. Dr. Colander, let's come back and talk some more about this patient you've had for 15 years and tell us a little bit more about his journey and what your plans are for him. Well, thanks, Henry. So a lot of listeners may uh, relate to this. You know, you go to the doctor and your blood pressure is high and you have high triglycerides and all aspects of your cholesterol elevated. So before I was, uh, you know, a concierge and a prevention expert, I was a traditional primary care doctor just like everybody else and what you're all used to seeing 30 people a day, and what I would do with this patient is just what everyone would do. Worked hard to get his blood pressure down, put him on multiple cholesterol drugs because he had multiple cholesterol problems. So he would be on a statin like Lipitor to lower his LDL. And then I put him on uh, a class of drugs called fibrates, and fibrates lower triglycerides. So he's on one or two blood pressure pills, depending on what's going on with him at the time, a statin, and a fibrate to lower his triglycerides, and maybe, depending on my mood at the time, an aspirin, because I would look at him as being a very high-risk person, because he also had a lot of symptoms of acid reflux. And we all know that sometimes acid reflux presents as heart disease, or I should say heart disease prevents, presents as acid reflux, so it's hard to know if that's what's going on or whether it's just plain old, you know, indigestion. You know, he came, he's been with you for 15 years. How old was he when he came to your practice? Probably 35. So when he came in his mid-30s, he already had all these problems? Yes. How did he get them all? I mean, that's a huge constellation of problems for a 35-year-old. Well, a lot of us are, you know, again, multiple-generation you know, living in the United States, living in a toxic environment, and our epigenetics make us have metabolic disorders. So our ability to make good quality cholesterol, the ability to metabolize sugar properly, all that's impaired by a toxic environment. And the habits of our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. So, so is it more habits or is it more you, know, you inherit it from your parents? It's all of it. Uh-huh. It's all of it. So, you know, the idea of epigenetics is that you're inheriting a predisposition to a trait. So there isn't a genetic, you know, as we think about genetics and mutation that gets handed down that makes people diabetic, but there is some genetic pull that again, it's 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 more about tags. So the more someone has bad habits, lives in a bad environment, 
that means the gene is presenting itself in a negative way. So a, a poor quality protein is made. If the substrate, you know, the food that a, that a cell has to eat is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to, you know, we're in Detroit, so we use the factory comparison. So that means if the factory's broken and you bring bad parts, you're going to get a bad car. Right. So if your liver isn't making, isn't able to make good cholesterol or metabolize sugar, and then you're bringing sugar in, you're, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to make whatever kind of protein it needs at the time. Mm-hmm. It loses what we would call metabolic flexibility. So if you lost your metabolic flexibility and the cell needs to do something different, it may make a bad pr- a protein product. So it's, making the, it's not making the proteins that it needs. Before I come back and ask you more questions about this 35-year-old <laughs> that started with you that you're still treating, can you explain what epigenetics are? Yeah, epigenetics is the concept that, again, where the environment indicates or, or dictates the product. And I'm saying you're, you're the, the products of cell metabolism. What do your cells make? They make proteins. They make hormones. They make other uh, proteins that tell your other cells what to do. If the environment that you're in is bad, well, then those signaling agents and hormones and proteins might not work well. So you, that becomes a trait. It's not, even though it's not genetic and it's a mutation, it becomes a trait. So your cell can you know, present itself as really good or really bad. If it starts presenting itself as really bad, then you can actually hand that down to your kids. So you inherit a cell that's already been trained to present itself in the worst possible way. So here's our you know, patient, and he's a young guy, and he's got a family history of bad lipids. Well, it's, he's just inherited down from his parents an inability to make good quality lipids. And remarkably for him, that has not translated into disease. And the challenge is, what is it going to translate to? So he's got the, you know, the mechanism. He's got the, a bad infrastructure. You know, somebody says a house or a garden has good bones. He doesn't. You know, he's got a lot of bad things happening. I just haven't found our marker of disease for him. And yet he has no plaque. Well, because that's the marker I use. So we use plaque as our primary marker because I'm able to get a objective measure with our CIMT. Right. So we had this conversation today. Okay, your CIMT is great. You don't have calcium in your arteries or in your calcium score. So you're not presenting with heart disease. Is it going to be dementia? You know, is that how you're, is this is how this is going to get you? And so we talked about this other test we do in the office, we do this pretty um, difficult and intensive memory test. Don't, sc- don't start scaring people away. Well, <laughs> Listeners are listening to it. I mean, it's doable. I mean, it's, it's not really, as it's bad ten, as it sounds. Right, it's 10 minutes, and right. it's a unique way of identifying early dementia because early dementia is very hard to diagnose. All the simple screening tests that are available that take like a minute they're easily memorizable, you know, so I would have my patients would walk in for their physical reciting the memory test, walking in the door, 
that's when you realize it's time to find a better tool to make to identify mm-hmm. memory. Right. So, you know, it's one time it's okay, but uh, the, it's only good for one time. So his memory test is perfect. So it's not bothering his memory. It's not bothering his heart. So we talked about, you know, other things that insulin resistance can impact. Parkinson's, other neurodegenerative diseases, and cancer. So even though we're having a hard time getting his triglycerides down, well, I should say, I'm skipping ahead. We stopped, I stopped his drugs a couple years ago because we're not treating the illness that I'm trying to manage, he doesn't have. And if you don't have plaque, then lifestyle is our number one tool. So did you take away all of his medications? Except the blood pressure pills. That's pretty amazing. So he was on medication for all this time and now... And I stopped him. And nothing happened, nothing changed. He didn't die, he didn't get worse. His inflammation markers, the labs that we do to identify or measure the activity of plaque are still great. And he is getting another CIMT, so the results weren't available yet. So I'll have him in another week and I'll call him about those. So that'll tell the tale also. But pretty amazing to think about somebody living for more than 10 years on a bunch of medication that once you took it away from him, nothing changed. He didn't go down. Well, and there's there's more implications about that than that, which we'll talk about next segment. All right, let's continue the story on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you are interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. And if you're just now listening to the show, Dr. Colander is live every Thursday at 7 p.m. following Mitch Album. It's the only live show that we know of where you can call in and talk to the doctor directly. So if you have a question about your own health, Thursday, 7 o'clock, make a note of it, tune in. Dr. Colander, let's come back and talk about this patient who seemed to look terrible on paper. You took him off all his meds. And what happened next? Well, his cholesterol looks terrible, you know, because we did stop drugs that alter cholesterol numbers. And the point is, and which all of you regular listeners know, cholesterol is not a value that identifies risk. Despite what our healthcare system will say, despite what your cardiologist will say, that only applies to a small percentage of you, maybe 30%. But for the rest of us, Lipids don't identify risk. So his cholesterol went through the roof because I stopped his statins. And again, the reason to use a statin is because statins lower artery inflammation. If there's no plaque, there's no artery inflammation to lower. So I stopped it. And then I stopped his triglyceride-lowering agents because he was on a drug that really had no outcome, you know, outcome benefits. 
So even though I put them on it a long time ago, now that I know more about how to identify and prevent disease, I stopped a drug that has no outcome benefit of reducing heart attack and stroke. Now today I did put him on a branded fish oil because it has outcome data. And our reasoning for doing that, even though we didn't have plaque, was it's just a fish oil. And it's not a drug that has interactions and side effects and has to get metabolized. It's a pretty natural product and reduces cardiovascular risk by 20%, 25%. So that was a reason we decided to do that. We thought that the risk-benefit ratio was very favorable. Um, but again, if we said if his insurance doesn't cover it, it's not worth paying for. I, I have a quick question for you here as you're talking about this patient's uh, profile. Now, what if he had been in some other doctor's practice? He's got these horrible tests. He's got all these medications that he's taking. The other doctor doesn't have the CIMT technology, so wouldn't be able to take a look at his arteries. Would he have been a person in another practice who would have been sent on to a cardiologist? And then what would his future have looked like? A hundred percent. So great question, because that's another part of the picture that no one appreciates is that, so here's a guy with high blood pressure, horrific lipids, who constantly has chest pain from heartburn. So it would not take long for some other doctor to go, I want you to get a stress test. And what if the stress test is a false positive? And there's a lot of false positive stress tests. He goes to see a cardiologist who wants to cath him. So now he's going to have a procedure that has a, you know, a risk of death. You know, it's a small risk, but there's a risk of death from the procedure. But it's also unnecessary. That's the point. That he doesn't need. It would have been totally unnecessary. Right. I mean, we've we've talked about um, other people who've had a CIMT, didn't see that this is not my patient, but another doctor in another state who does CIMTs. He screened the patient. The patient went to his cardiologist. The cardiologist recommended the patient have carotid surgery and he had complications from the surgery, where had he stayed with the prevention expert, that doctor would have managed him medically, and he would have been fine. So what you were doing with this patient was actually managing him medically. And tell, tell our listeners what that means to manage someone medically. Well, we want to manage everybody medically. So that means using lifestyle and medicine as opposed to surgery to treat a problem. So I want to say medical management has come so far that even someone who has stable angina, that means if they walk a block and have chest pain, stop and rest, they're okay, it goes away. Walk another block, they have chest pain, stop and rest. Stable angina is treated just as well with medical management as it is with a stent or a bypass. So it's equal. So if medical management is equal to surgery, why have surgery that is a risk of death? Absolutely. Or, or a risk of a stroke. God knows what can happen when you're on general anesthesia, you know, having bypass surgery, especially here in Royal Oak. You know, so, okay, we're you know, not mentioning any sorry. hospitals here. So, you know, you just, medical management wins every time. Mm -hmm. So things, you know, bad things happen when you get tests that you don't need. 
So, right, that's a real thing. Is Again, we've talked again on other shows about people who I say, come and call me with chest pain. I say, don't go to the hospital. It's not your heart. Because we know where they are. Like, I know where their hearts are. I know where their inflammation is. And I can tell them that that symptom is not cardiac. You know, that's pretty amazing technology. And I've often thought throughout the shows that I've hosted and had the privilege of listening to you explain what you do in your practice, I'm still mystified about why this technology is not in every internal medicine practice. Because well, therefore, you wouldn't yeah. be sending off patients to get useless cardiology tests, to see a cardiologist, to maybe wind up in surgery. I mean, you, I mean, there's no reason for them to go down that journey. Well, in the age of COVID, people understand now more than ever how broken our healthcare system is. And this is just an example of how the healthcare system is broken, how everything is being geared toward a pharma product, a hospital-delivered product. It's not geared to keeping you out of the hospital. So there's nothing there to stop you from ending up in the hospital. And it's the same thing that's happened with COVID. There's no plan for you to get out of the hospital other than take a vaccine. Right. And even with a vaccine, there's enough breakthrough that whether you're vaccinated or not, you get COVID and there's nothing to do but go to the hospital. Well, that's you've said that's a big mistake. None of your patients have ever gone to the hospital. You've had hundreds of patients that have been diagnosed with COVID. You've treated them. None of them have been hospitalized. None of them have died. None of them have been put in a ventilator. Right. Well, listen so, to a Thursday show and you'll Thursday, hear more yeah, about Thursday, it's COVID. Seven o'clock. Yes, but, absolutely. But COVID just a great eye opener to most of the country, at least half of it of how messed up our healthcare system is and that there's no upfront management. There's no early treatment. I, I think though patients seem to feel secure if they go and see their doctor and their doctor sends them on and up the flagpole to see a cardiologist because now they feel secure that they've got a safe blanket to fall on. They're not going to die. I've got a cardiologist watching me now. But again, I still come back to the fact that if we have this technology, the CIMT, I'm not understanding why not every doctor has it because it's the only test that visualizes the arteries in a way that you can absolutely tell whether someone's a candidate for a heart attack and stroke. Well, like we say, you know, there's 650,000 heart deaths a year. And if our system were so great, that wouldn't be happening. And there's all kinds of people who have a doctor, who have a cardiologist who still drop dead. And someone, again, we in our area dropped dead this yes. week. Yes. You know, so I don't 49 know. 49 year old. You know, we don't know anything about this person's health. Um, you know, we don't know if it was a heart attack per se or a brain aneurysm. You know, I don't know. That's but true. Um, those are the only two things that drop you in your tracks. And so I don't know which one it was. But, um, you know, there's just no reason. I've been hearing left and right lately about people in their 50s and 60s dying of heart, heart attacks, and it just doesn't have to happen. So it's just a shame. It's all preventable. People need to get into a prevention practice. Let's talk some more on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge prevention practice, Please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866 Colander. 
Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board-certified internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also going to talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Also, for our listeners, please tune in Thursday night, 7 o'clock. It's a live show. Dr. Colander speaks to the callers that call in and answers their questions. Make a note of it, 7 p.m. Thursdays. Dr. Colander, let's come back and talk about this process of patients who are in care. They're seeing a primary care physician and then... You know, most of them feel that when they get bumped up to see a cardiologist that they've just landed on a safety net and they're in a safe haven because I can't possibly die if I get sent to a cardiologist. He's going to watch me. And that's just simply not true. It's a fallacy. You know, it, it is. And, you know, the, if you've been listening to the show just so far, you can understand why. And the reason is they're not doing any other testing than your internist or family practice doctor could have done. Yeah, but wait a minute. I'm going to stop you here. The internist is not doing it because the internist is not doing the CIMT. Well, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a traditional internist and a traditional cardiologist. Right. They're looking at the same cholesterol, you know, the same chemistry panel, and then maybe the cardiologist feels a obligation because they're the cardiologist to do a stress test and maybe an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart itself that looks at the heart beating and the chambers and the blood flow and the valves. So you might have a normal echocardiogram and a normal stress test and still die of a heart attack, you know, the following week. And the reason is none of those tests identify your risk of having that kind of event. And the stress test only is there to screen you for surgery. So if you have a plaque that's at risk for rupture, which is what causes sudden death or a stroke, that plaque might is not going to be blocking flow at the time of your stress test. That's, so it can be missed. So what you're saying is the stress test is a useless test. The stress test is only going to identify people who have a critical stenosis. They walk in with an artery that's only open 10%. That's the type of person who's going to fail a stress test, who's going to benefit from, you know, a procedure or not. You know, again, maybe they would do just as well with a, an aggressive medical management. And, and frankly, if it were my patient, I would encourage them to get more serious about their lifestyle and medicine and treat them medically and not have surgery. But they have to have a doctor who's going to make that investment and time and who's going to tell them what to do because most people are lost. They're lucky if they get five minutes with their doctor. They're lucky if they get some Mickey Mouse tests once a year, but it's not really preventing anything. As is borne by the numbers of 650,000 people a year dying of the Widowmaker, dying of heart attacks. So the average listener out there, I'm, the message that I get from all your shows is, 
they have to take charge of their own health. They've got to write down the name of the CIMT. They've got to write down what tests they need. And they have to rely on getting into a practice that is going to forewarn them of any impending or upcoming cardiac disease. You know, and the reason we brought this up this segment is also just to let you know that or reinforce the idea that a specialist isn't any better equipped to identify those issues that Amory just brought up than the internist is. You know, like your average run-of-the-mill, you know, hospital employee doctor. So... Well, you go to a cardiologist, by the way, you get the same five minutes. Right. And <laughs> you get a test that only screens for surgery. Right, exactly. So to the cardiologist, surgery is prevention. Well, and But that's really what it is. I mean, we've had a interventional neurologist on who said so much and we're like oh, that to me to me if, I, if you had to have a major surgery i failed you know right. if you had an event that required a intracranial thrombectomy i didn't do my job right you know that's that's not good we um, didn't stop you from getting to that right point. so that's a, that's a that's a fail um you know having somebody need a stent is a fail you know that to me i None of those things are allowed to happen in my practice. I say that tongue in cheek, but it's, you know, I, I don't, that's not a goal for me. Um, making, having someone, in my opinion, needing a stress test. So that's another question. Where does somebody need a stress test? Who really should be getting one? Frankly, if you are having symptoms, you know, real angina symptoms, then a stress test is indicated, which comes back to the patient we've been talking about all hour. Right, I wanted to come back and finish up with where's he at now and what's his hope for the future. Well, the reason identifying disease is important to him because he goes to a cardiologist with horrible lipids, two blood pressure pills, um, you know, and, you know, bad lifestyle. He's going to get tested very inappropriately and, and hopefully not have a doctor-induced complication because of over-testing. Um, so, you know, what's his future? Uh, the future is that he has, you know, the drivers, the root causes of disease. We just haven't found what disease he's going to get uh -huh. because his arteries are clean. His memory screening is perfect. You know, I worry about him coming down with Parkinson's, some other neurodegenerative condition, God forbid, cancer. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, we have much better cancer screening opportunities these days. Um, and so that area doesn't bother me as much. But the answer here is he's got to fix his insulin resistance by lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Why use a drug? It's, it's all right. Let's, he's, gotta, he's made great strides over the last two years on improving his health. And I challenge him to do even better. Uh, one of the things that we might use for him is hormones. So men that are predisposed to diabetes that get on testosterone don't become diabetic. That's one of your other specialties is uh, hormone treatment. Well, we use every tool in our toolbox to prevent disease. So right. um, if I think something is going to be needed to help one person or another, then we're going to have it in the practice. So um, to me, balancing hormones is a tool for prevention, and there's enough data available for me to recommend hormones in men and women at the appropriate time. So I think of insulin resistance as a 
low testosterone state and more in men, there's data uh, showing better outcomes and prevention of diabetes in men that take it. So the same conditions that cause early diabetes and insulin resistance, we talked about epigenetics, these same conditions also impact our natural hormones in our system and our ability to make healthy hormones. So fixing that, they fix each other. Well, the message is that people have to understand that they need to get into a practice that specializes in prevention and to get in early enough. And I know I've asked you this before, but at what age should we jump on the bandwagon and get into a practice that specializes in prevention so that we can end being threatened by stroke and heart attack? Well, 30. We have people with plaque at 30, and then if we can heal you, which we will, you won't have it your whole life. That's good to know, and sometimes it's even earlier than that, as we know. So don't forget to take this very seriously and get in a practice like Dr. Collender's that specializes in prevention. Unfortunately, that wraps it up for the Collender Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Collender Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and again, I want to thank Dr. Collender for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attack and stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's show or to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Colander Medical directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope you've enjoyed this show and that you've become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. Once again, you can reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. And thank you for listening.